At the lowest spot on earth today, we've got uh, one of the tour guides helping out the Oklahoma Ag Leadership Program tour across the uh, nation of Israel, Mark Kedem. Mark, uh, really handling the uh, the uh, cultural side and kind of some of the uh, religious sites that we've had an opportunity to be a part of during this tour. Uh, we've got another guy that's kind of specialized on the agri- agricultural side. Mark, maybe first of all, for our folks listening, tell us a little bit about how you got to be a tour guide here in Israel. Okay. Hi, Ron. Uh, firstly, it's great to, uh, to, to be interviewed in this program, to be a guide in this program. Uh, for me, it's a um, uh, first time really I've worked with an agricultural program. Um, my background is, uh, is not at all in, in archaeology or, or history. I have a degree in psychology and sociology. But being an immigrant to the country, having made uh, immigrate or immigrated to Israel from South Africa in 1981 as a young 22-year-old, um, loving the country with a passion for the country, I always said that when I finished my first career, I would look into a second career. And I did the tour guide course in 19 uh, uh, in 2012. It's a two and a half year course, it's nearly a three year course with all the exams. Um, following really a passion, something a, a dream that I've always wanted to pursue, and became a tour guide. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience meeting wonderful people and uh, having opportunity of showing people my Israel. I think every tour guide will show you um, their their perspective of the country and that there is for tourists to get a broad and a and a colored and a nuanced perspective. And uh, it's been my pleasure giving you my perspective of the country over the last uh, couple of days. This is a fascinating country because it does clearly make itself important because of the location and the history that is so many people globally and three of the major religions especially. Yeah, I would add to that uh, to that description of Israel, a, a conflict, not a conflict, a complex and a complicated country as well, uh, but a beautiful country, a wonderful country, really the country that centralizes within it three of the three monotheistic religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, in that order, by the way. A lot of people uh, don't really know what order the religions are, but certainly within Israel, within the perspective of the Holy Land, the first religion here in this area, the first major monotheistic religion, not a paganistic, but a monotheistic religion, one God religion is was is Judaism, followed by Christianity and then Islam. So uh, it really is a uh, kind of a, um, a center spot and a kind of a meeting point of all religions and all cultures from that perspective. If anything, you might call Jerusalem the boiling pot of those three, uh, those threes coming together. Correct. I think when you look at the at the sites of Jerusalem and you look at uh, the importance that each religion places on the city, um, it's a uh, it's a city. As I said to you before, the few a few days ago, it's a city where. Um, where man and God meet, where man and God have a communication. There's many other countries in the world where other important events take place, be them territorial or cultural, but in, in, in Jerusalem, um, it's the meeting point of the three religions because this is where the three where all three religions place uh, their uh, biggest importance, the most, uh, most important historical and religious sites in the city of Jerusalem. So it makes it, uh, it, makes it very interesting from that point of view. We... Uh Obviously, have had the chance to see some of the uh, some of those uh, those sites uh, during this time. We've seen some of the other important cultural things that are a part of Israel, and uh, there's a lot of I guess there's there's some history before 1948, but a lot since uh, Israel was actually granted statehood. Um, yeah, I think that. Um from from Jude from the Judea, I mean, without going into a long history lesson because we don't have the time for that. But if you look at the three religions from Israel's perspective, this is the religion where Abraham was told by God to to go to the land to the land that He promised uh, him and He promised the Jewish people, and to take his son Isaac and to take him from the deserts and to 
to Jerusalem where he was supposed to sacrifice all, uh, his son. At the end, in the end, he doesn't do that because God stops him. Um, and they build. This is where they build the first temple and the second temple, and where for even for over the many years when there was no or not a lot of Jewish presence in the Holy Land because they were banished and expelled, there was always wherever the Jews were throughout the world a constant yearning to return to the Holy Land, and that dream became a reality uh, towards the beginning of the of the 20th century, um, uh, with a way with waves of immigration from Eastern Europe and from uh, from Western Europe, and in 1948 the State of Israel is created. Um, Together with that, we also have, obviously, from the Christianity perspective, this is the place where Jesus was born, where Jesus performed his ministry, where Jesus uh, performed the miracles, where, um, where, Jew, where Christianity move, uh, takes over, or uh, Christianity becomes the religion, uh, initially called, uh, as we spoke about, uh, the new Jewish religion, and then later becomes known as Christianity. Um, and so obviously for, for all the, over the centuries and over the years, there's been a, a move of Christian pilgrims and uh, Christ countries from all over Europe and, and America and all over the world uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to recognize Israel as a holy, uh, as a holy country, as a holy city, um, as a holy state. Um, and then Islam, which uh, for different reasons, Islam becomes a religion in the, in the, fi- in the, in the fifth century approximately. Um, and Muhammad is, uh, is told by, uh, by Allah to go to, uh, the, the furthest away uh, place, uh, Al-Aqsa in Arabic, where they build the Dome of the Rock and they build the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And so all three religions have in Jerusalem uh, their major or the most important historical uh, religious sites. And for that reason, it's a, it's a city that, um, if you look at the history of the Holy Land, and I won't say Israel because we're talking about Palestine, we're talking about during the Roman period, during the Greek period, this is the place where uh, religions uh, emerged and religions, religions basically uh, created their, their, their holy sites and spots. Um, and that makes the, that makes it a complicated uh, uh, country uh, because of you know if you you know everybody wanting to hold the peace of, uh, of of Jerusalem and hold the peace obviously and to rule and to control the Holy Land. And that uh, that is actually even contemporary. We still see that struggle. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, you know, a lot of world uh, conflicts have been solved uh, over the last over recent years, but the one real, uh, conflict which is the most difficult to, to solve is a conflict which is based on religious differences, um, and I think that's what we're facing at the moment. It's not so much territorial, uh, but it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's religious, and uh, hopefully, uh, God willing, um, in this case, really God willing, uh, I hope that solutions are found. And once again, my my feeling is, and just really without getting too deeply into politics, is that in order to build a future, in order to build a harmonious future of coexistence, one has to be brave enough to admit the past. And one has to admit, as a Jewish person, that this is where today we have an Arab community and an Arab uh, population living here, and one has to accommodate them as part of the future of Israel. But at the same time, I expect from the Palestinian side and from the Arab side that they recognize that there was a past Jewish presence in Israel. Uh, the situation has changed today. In order to move on to a future, one has to, accom- one has to accept the, the history that there was a Jewish presence, the first temple, the second temple, etc. And uh, that, that is the issue we're struggling with at the moment. That, that's the politics of today between the Palestine state, uh, the, the Israelis, and even the global community. There's a lot of folks that are looking at what's going on here. Um, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a game of, it reminds me of a children's game, who came first, right? And I don't think that we can really look, look at that because, you know, we can, we, we can, be, we can go back in history and, and, and see exactly who came first, but that, that's not the issue. The issue is that they here, we here, um, and, uh, and one has to live together in order to, to, to live harmoniously. And I, I think the majority on both the Israeli side and the Arab side 
uh, want to live in, in harmony and in coexistence. But unfortunately, all you need is a couple of extremists on either side and can basically you know, plunge the country into, into the depths of, uh, of, of wars and, uh, and, uh, and kind of uh, you know, despair. And I think that's, I hope that we manage to get, out, get over that. You're uh, not a real expert, quote-unquote, when it comes to the world of agriculture, but yet the, the miracle of Israel is a part of their, the ability to feed themselves since 1948 as they, when they became a state. Absolutely. Um, Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, um, had the vision um, in Israel and uh, you know, in, in the desert in particular. And over the last few days, we've seen the incredible agriculture that, uh, that uh, is flourishing in parts of the country where rainfall is very, very, very limited. Um, and uh, his dream from that perspective has become true, where they've really taken a very arid and a very dry country and made it into a very fertile and a very rich in agricultural country. And I think that, to a large extent, is based on, on technology, on, on, on innovation. At the, at the fair we went to the other day, uh, just walking around there, you saw the innovations of drip agriculture, of, uh, of very sophisticated picking mechanisms, uh, um, uh, how to make soil, how to in, in, in introduce nutrients and minerals into the soil to increase the the yield of crops. Um, so there's really kind of the, uh, the Jewish mind at, at work here in order to, to, uh, to, to provide uh, uh, techniques and te- te- technology to the farmers of Israel. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I saw and I was pretty impressed that at that fair we went to the other day, there were not only Jewish farmers, but there were Palestinian farmers as well. I heard a lot of Arabic and buses, entire bus loads of people coming from the villages because uh, once again, it's not, uh, the, the innovation is not limited only to, to one of our populations. It's, 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 it's for the entire population. So for that perspective, there is a lot. And by the way, between Israel and Jordan, uh, Jordan being our border directly to the east, uh, we share the Jordan River, we share the water from the Jordan River, we share the Dead Sea, and we share also parts even uh, close to the Sea of Galilee. And there's a lot of cooperation and, uh, and uh, str- um, uh, strategic uh, planning and, uh, and, and uh, implementations of, uh, of, of, uh, of, ag- of agriculture and, uh, and other fields. Water as well. Yeah, and that that would be kind of my last thing we might talk about is this whole uh, whole issue of water. Uh, water is uh, so precious here uh, that affects every every part of society and this entire country and this entire region. Yeah, that's one of really the, the miracles of the country. I think that uh, if you go back into, uh, we spoke in the, the first few days about the, an agreement called the Sykes-Picot Agreement where Britain and France divided the region into what was going to be British and what was going to be French. The Britain had the foresight at that stage to make sure that the tributaries leading into the Sea of Galilee were, 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 were kept under uh, British rule and that obviously passed down to, to Israel in 1948. So Israel does control the water that runs into the Sea of Galilee which was never enough to feed the water needed of Israel, both drinking purposes and for agriculture. But I think Israel has to be, uh, if you look at, uh, it has to go down as being maybe one of the one of the, the biggest countries in the world that has developed techniques to preserve water. Water from flooding is never thrown away, is always kept and, and, and kept in, in big, big reservoirs. If you go up to the north of Israel, even to the south of Israel, you'll see big reservoirs that when it rains, the water is directed to reservoirs for use in the summer months where there's no rain. Uh, also the use of, uh, of dirty water, taking sewerage water, affluent water with affluent and making and doing a process of clean, cleaning, filtering and, uh, and sterilizing as sufficient to, to be used for agriculture for certain crops not for all crops and then of course uh, techniques such as the drip irrigation which uh, you know one cannot afford in a country where it's so hot 
to do uh, spray irrigation that you might do in other countries. So here they've developed the system of drip irrigation where with this uh, uh, series labyrinth of pipes, the water comes out in holes exactly where the roots of the sapling or the roots of the plant is in order to uh, maximize the amount of water the root is getting and, 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 and wasting as little as possible. Um, and of course, our knowledge we've shared with the rest of the world. Israel is very, very active in the international community in Africa also uh, to share our te- technology and to help uh, countries that, uh, that require help in that, in that field. And the last thing I'll say is that part of the, the border, as uh, part of the, the peace agreement with Jordan, uh, a big part of the peace agreement with Jordan was obviously territorial compromise and returning territories that were held by Israel possibly, but also uh, sharing of water resources. So basically we, we help Jordan. Jordan receives a large amount of water uh, from us. In certain areas in the south, they actually provide Israel with water. So there's a water agreement between the two sides. And of course, the issue of, uh, of uh, you know, providing water to the Palestinian Authority and to Gaza is something which is, uh, which is also done. And uh, if there is ever going to be, and hopefully there will be a peace agreement, uh, and uh, it's maybe um, possibly a Palestinian state, uh, the issue of water sharing is going to have to be part of that agreement because that's the central part of it. As a citizen of this country, uh, what, what what's your hope as you uh, you know you look to the future? What a uh, prosperous and continuing Israel look like? What I said before the, a few minutes ago uh, is that we have to both sides have to realize that uh, we there's a famous Hebrew song that says "Enli Eretz Acheret," which means in English, "I don't have another country." And for the majority of people living in Israel, both Palestinians and Israelis, they don't have another country. And I think that that means that in order to live harmoniously, one has to share the country, one has to find a way. Um, and, I, you know, that sounds like a, like a far, very far-flung uh, dream, but that's my, that's my dream, is that people find a way and stop incitement and stop uh, the, the, fan- the fanatics need to basically become more pragmatic uh, and to build a future which could be a long-lasting future. I want my children and my grandchildren uh, to grow up in a, in a country of peace and not a country of war. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Ron. Mark Keatum, one of two tour guides that are helping out the Oklahoma Ag Leadership Program as we navigate through the country of Israel, maximizing the learning opportunities for Class 20. On the north end of the Dead Sea, 1,400 feet below sea level, with Class 20 of the Oklahoma Ag Leadership Program, I'm Ron Hayes.